What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We are at episode 77. We have a great, great time on today's interview. Actually, the first time we had four mics rolling, uh, so it was uh, kind of a dual interview, really fun. Two good friends that also help uh, collab with each other. They have their own businesses, their own thing going. They're walking it, they're not talking it. Uh, so Carl Hibbert, uh, founder and CEO of Fortunate Lifestyle. It's a clothing brand established to express um, individuality, creativeness, and unique designs. Uh, but he does a lot of exclusive merchandising as well. And also joining us was his buddy Sproof. And he's a musical artist from the Indianapolis area, creator of Naptown Revival, which is a contest that aims to rejuvenate uh, Indianapolis's music scene and talent pool. Uh, now, Sproove, uh, he's opened, uh, as he says in the interview, you name an artist, I've probably opened for him. Lil Uzi, Young Thug, 21 Savage, Wale, just to, oh yeah, name a few small ones, just in case you were wondering. I've heard of them before, I think. Uh, I think, I think. maybe. I got and, the blue check mark? Yeah, look, I think so. Carl, also been on tour with 21 Savage, Young Nudie, does exclusive merch for some big time names. These dudes are really making some moves and making names for themselves. So, uh, to start it off, we kind of just get into their background, how they got started um, in their respective crafts, how they met, the moments where each of them kind of realized that they were on their, their correct paths. They're both high-level entrepreneurs, they know what they're getting into, they know how to go about it, and they are perfecting their systems. Uh, so Carl gets into how he makes every piece of his clothing unique. He knows all the ins and outs, every aspect of his business. He knows how to do it all. Uh, he gets into where the name Fortunate Lifestyle also came from and the creative process when it comes to designing the shirts and what that process looks like from a concept to reality. And it's very interesting to hear some of the stories that he has uh, to share with us about him kind of fronting his way to different tours to meet up with people to really put his name out there and, and get on the map. And I really enjoyed this uh, interview because we hadn't ever met either one of them. Mm -hmm. They kind of reached out to us firsthand uh, on, on Instagram, asked how to get an interview. Uh, we set up a phone call, talked to them, and it, it was it was a green light automatically. Like, hey, this is going to be electric. They got some high energy. They got some things to say. So I hope you guys feel the same. And uh, Tim, what did you think about this one? Uh, what else do we cover here? Yeah, these guys were hustlers. I, I was motivated walking out of this interview just hearing about the way they approached their respective crafts, the way they met, how they kind of, they have such a symbiotic relationship in the fact that they help each other out, they, they show up to each other's events, they, mm -hmm. they feed off of each other and help each other become successful, which I enjoyed hearing about that. Uh, Sproove talked about how he's evolved his, his music style over time. Um, how and one thing that I really like about what he talked about is being more self-sufficient when you're growing your own business venture. Because when you're first starting out, you're not going to have the money and capabilities to hire a bunch of people. So you need to figure out how to do everything yourself, be self-sufficient, and then eventually when you want to deal, when you want to contract things out to people or hire someone to do them, you know the way it's supposed to be done and you can explain mm -hmm. it to them. So I really liked what he talked about. That talks about his life motto, life is sweet, which is sweet. which is a big inspiration for his album coming out soon. I don't know when he said it's going to be. I think he said September maybe. I don't know when September, it's going to be. October, before then, end of year. Yeah, in the next couple months, next few months, he's going to have his album coming out. And then we also asked him how they dealt with adversity. They had some good responses to that. And they kind of described the side of entrepreneurship that a lot of people don't see. Because, I mean, it's, it's easy to see someone 
on Instagram being successful, but they had actually worked to get to that point, so they talk about that. Um, and then they give their final advice to the listeners, and I think it's a good discussion to end on about um, how we should view social media and, and the way we should value it. So I think you guys are going to get a lot of value from this episode if you're a new entrepreneur, someone who's putting in work towards something, a side hustle, anything. Take what these guys have to say. So enjoy your Thursday, episode 77. All right, so uh, we usually just kind of start with like a little background, who you guys are, what you're up to, uh, and kind of how we got here, really. Uh, my name is Spruve. A little background, I'm college educated, came from the west side of Indianapolis, uh, Pike High School. Then I went to uh, IU Bloomington, graduated 2016, came back to Indy and just been grinding it out, trying to figure out my career as far as like uh, my music ventures and, and then uh, any other entrepreneurial things that I got going on, just trying to figure out life. Good deal. Carl, how about you? What you up to, man? How we um, get here? Carl, K-Swagging on social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really, I went to HSC, Hamilton Southeastern Officials for high school. Um, it was a uh, sophomore year, so 2011, when I really came up with Fortunate Lifestyle. It was really just a creative outlet for myself, um, just to kind of express individuality, uh, diversity, uh, creativeness, designs all of myself, but then I wanted to be able to get it out there so I could see my friends, see people in the hallway wearing my designs and my ideas. So that was really how it started, and then it's kind of just fast forward to now. Just finished my second tour earlier this year. Uh, just had a pop-up shop this last weekend with Sprue in New York, so really just trying to elevate and grind. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, and mind just getting a little close to the microphone? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. And then how did you two meet? How did you guys kind of develop your relationship? Um, I think I was actually, I uh, went to mm. Par- a party in Bloomington. Like I was telling you guys earlier, uh, I used to throw parties very consistently, like every week in Bloomington. And during Little Five, I think it was during Little 500, it was like a special event because people from Indy came down. Carl was there. Um, and that's the first day we met. And then from then on, I had like shuffled him over some music that he like really liked. It was this guy in Atlanta. That he really liked, and that's how we kind of connected because we both liked the same type of music. And then from then on, I learned about him. We started learning about each other and just started connecting up more and more and more. So now, do you guys do uh, like collaborations, like at your shows? He's got gear. How, how do you guys kind of oh, collaborate that? Every time, yeah. every time, and anytime. Anytime I have an event now, he's the merchandiser guy. Um, anytime he has an event, I'm there, either performing or helping out doing something. That's cool. That's April cool. 21st. That was the day I met you. That was the night I met you. April 21st. It was the 21st. Bad. You got the Snapchat. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I was, uh, April 21st was a funny day. I was, uh, that was actually a 21 Savage concert at uh, Old National. Old National. Yeah, um, I remember. And then everybody came to Bloomington. Yeah, and there was a couple. That was the same same night as uh, Lil Five. And I'd actually uh, been talking to 21 Savage's cousin for a little bit on uh, like DMs on Instagram. So he wanted me to bring him some gear. So that was the first time like, I locked in with him and I pulled up to the, like, their tour bus, gave him some gear and stuff. And they're like, you just trying to chill with us for the night? I was like, sure. So, <laughs> so we just kicked like backstage and everything. And I remember uh, Yachty actually, had, someone some, someone booked Yachty for Lil' Five that same night. Mm-hmm. And he had done a show in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And then after his show, he actually came to Indy and he did uh, a set with 21 Savage on the same uh, same night. So I actually saw Yachty that night too. And then after that, I actually headed up to Bloomington to his party at like 11 p.m. or something. Mm-hmm. And then that's Damn. the first time I met him. <laughs> what a crazy night, night man. Lit. Lit. I mean, that's how our nights be really ever since then. Is we just, we try and jam pack. Try to keep it lit. We try to make sure everything's just jam packed. So there's no time for BS or, you know what I mean, messing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, so Spruver, at what point in school did you realize like, okay, I think I think music is it. Like, I think that's what I really need to do, uh, and that's what I'm the best and happiest doing. Uh, I know that it was my second semester of my junior year. That was when my grandmother had passed, and it caused me to go into deep depression. Music was my means of coping. I had like I had so the the um, at the beginning of that semester, I had bought all the equipment with my. Uh, my refund check because I used to get like four or five thousand dollars refund check. I pay off my rent, buy some shit, and then I just <laughs> work and, and and throw parties because I was making money off my party. So I was like, shit, I'm gonna just blow this check and I'm gonna get my money back. Um, so I had a home studio that I that I had in my in my house and I would record there, throw the parties, perform with the music that I have uh, recorded in my home. That's um, cool. It's really That's dope. Cool. Was that the question that you asked? Would you ask? Oh uh, yeah, when you realized, oh yeah, and how that like kind of came to be. Yeah. So were, were those parties like kind of hits right off the bat? Did you have like a little growth period? Uh, they were popping. I mean, I, I like I said, I was in a fraternity. Um, I'm cross Kappa Alpha Psi, um, and we pretty much had the juice, the sauce, okay. whatever you want to call it. Good like, environment. For yeah. It. If I if we posted, if all of us posted up, everybody's coming. Like you know, we had the whole nine. Uh, jungle juice, my shit, my <laughs> shit was immaculate too. Yeah. It tasted like straight juice. Bitches would be, you know, fucked up. You said raw, right? We can be raw here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Bitches would be fucked up. Um, like in the middle of the party, I would be like, uh, so if y'all not getting no wins, like what the fuck are you doing? Like I got bad bitches in here, drinks. And the vibe is all the way right. If you're not getting no pussy by the end of the night, you a sucker, nigga. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the type of shit that I would say because I had a mic and I would be like hosting my own party. Like, yeah, and you set the tone. Yeah, basically, and yeah. that was like it every single week. And that's why people would come from indie to the house party. Like, yeah. that's how I was. I gained a little um, um, exposure from that. That's a lot of exposure, actually. How many parties do you think you did total? I know for a fact the the consistency. I did about a twelve weeks consistently every single weekend, Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday. And then it would be like I would miss a. I started fading away because my house pretty much became a venue, and I was tired of like cleaning up and shit. And mm-hmm. my roommates was tired of cleaning up, but they weren't complaining because we was making money. We was paying the rent off, so it was kind of like yeah, it was give or take. But yeah, we had right. made enough money to pay off the rent. We was good and. It like when it started getting cold and stuff like that, you kind of faded, faded away. But I remember at least twelve weeks of consistency out of twelve out of sixteen weeks. Wow, and two days a week. Yeah, two days a week. Usually two days yeah. a week. I probably miss one every now and then. But gotcha. Usually. And did you? I mean, when you got into music, did, were you teaching yourself all this stuff? Did you? Did you have any mentors along the way starting up? Like, how did you? I guess learn through the process because I'm sure you weren't. I mean, were, were you killing it right away, or how did that kind of uh, unfold? Everything was trial and error because in the beginning, before, because I've always been interested in music, but it wasn't up until my junior year. Before that, though, mm-hmm. uh, um, for my fraternity, I had uh, we had to make like songs up for our older brothers, and we had this thing called a probate where you pretty much display your talents and you had to rap in front of. Everybody that came, it was like a big celebration. Probably like two thousand people showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's huge. And um, pretty much the um, when people were listening to the stuff that I came up with, the reaction that I got from the people, they was like, "Damn!" Like just a wow factor. And I was like, "You might can really do something, uh, mm-hmm. do something with this." And then after I had crossed, after I had the pro uh, the probate, um, I basically made a mixtape that was fraternity based, and it blew up. It kind of like blew up on its own 
with no promotion, putting no money behind it, just sending it off to people. Um, and to me, back in the day, I got like 2,000 listens on this one song called Damn, I Hate Them Kappas. It was, that was <laughs> I got like 2,000 views and people wanted us, like other fraternity members from other schools wanted us to come to their school and perform it, of which we never actually did it. But I was like, hmm, if I can do that with this, I can do it regularly. Yeah. So then I, that's when I actually, uh, that would, and that trickled into the second, second semester of junior year. And that's actually when I started putting out my own stuff. Yeah. And uh, this first song called Pacific caught fire. And that I actually have a, a, a video on my page, on my Instagram page, that shows everybody in the party sing along. So that's Damn. cool. Yeah. I always thought like that's when like you know people are singing. Your when everybody, it was literally you wrote. It was literally like 120 people in the house party, and every single person is vibing and singing along with you. Every yeah. single word for word for word. Yeah. A four minute song. It was just like, okay, I think. That's this like is when it. you kind of stop singing for a second. Yeah. You just watch Put and the listen to everyone yeah. else. Like, yeah. All right. And what a feeling that must be. Just like, you created this. Like, everybody in the room is, is on the same page as you. I bet there's, there's not a feeling like that. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It's like crack, man. It's just like, I, it's, I, it's hard to explain. It's yeah. really hard to explain. Yeah. And so, Carl, for you, what did that kind of look like where you decided? okay this is what i'm supposed to do like i'm gonna do all this but my my journey is here um it's a great question um mine was never just one one big thing that i, I was like okay yeah this is it it's mm -hmm. kind of been like a, a gradual thing because i feel like when you're on a journey to somewhere you never really see yourself on the journey until like you've reached wherever that 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 mark is and you look back and you're like whoa i've done this 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 mm -hmm. but when you're kind of in it you can't really look and be like oh i'm really doing all this stuff until you kind of like reflect on it so mm -hmm. uh 2017 it's, it's been a crazy two years it's only 2019 now but like i said what was the what was the month i said april april 21st, april 21st mm -hmm. so april 21st well how many months was it? April, a couple months so yeah so we can say in two years i've really done that's when I really started going hard with it. Because after I met, like I said, the 21 Savage concert, that one night is really when everything started. That's when the first time I met the, my, my main, my first influencer, Instagram, like celebrity influencer. Um, since then, I've been sending him clothes, sending him gear. He did some music videos in it. Uh, him and Savage were really liking it. He'd FaceTime me sometimes, but yo, Savage needs this shirt that I got. And I'm like, yo, dope. Like, ah. So that was cool. I go to Atlanta every now and then, and um, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Young Nudie. That's uh, 21 Savage's cousin, so okay. he, he also raps in Atlanta. But uh, I was really trying to uh, merchandise for 21 Savage at the time. That's what I really wanted to do. But uh, his management and everything told me he's kind of established. Like, their merch is kind of, like, already going that way. But they wanted to put me with Nudie, his, uh, his cousin. Okay. So um, they kind of set that up. And ever since then, I've been, like, mainly merchandising for Nudie. Uh, end of 2017, uh, if you're familiar with Playboy Cardi, um, I was on tour with him, Pierre Bourne, uh, and Nudie as well. So I, I got to meet a lot of people. I met Young Thug on that tour. I met uh, a lot of cool people. Um, but that was, yeah, towards the fall of 2017. So that was when I was first like, okay, wow. Like, And I really put myself on that tour. Yeah. It was really weird because it was never, I don't have management. I don't have like other people I really do this with. So it's not someone like pushing for me to say, hey, this guy Carl, he's dope. He does clothes. You know, let him get some tour time. It was really me reaching out saying, hey, I can do some samples for you guys if you like, making a bunch of this graphic design, shirts and stuff, sending it to them. Like, yeah, this is cool. Like, can you make this and do this and change this here? I'm like, yeah, for sure. I do it all myself. So I kind of put myself on that tour and I was like, hey, I can make these this gear for you guys. And it wasn't merch for 
for sale for like what the general population of the audience will buy, but it was more for them, for like staff gear, just for like the people, like the artists and their customizable people. stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I did a lot of that, and I was like, hey, I can I can like meet you guys in these cities on tour and bring the gear to you guys. And they're like, yeah, if you can get out here, like that's that's player. So um, I remember it, it worked out so perfectly. I flew out and I went to. They had three shows in Florida. I think it was like a Tampa, a Ho- Tampa, Hollywood, and something else. I can't remember all the locations. But um, I was able to just go there. I bought a hotel in each city, and I basically just uh, greyhounded or megabus from city to city. Uh, they would let me in, give me the all-access pass. I'd give them the gear. I'd talk, Mac, do the whole show with them. And then afterwards, they'd go about their way to the next city, and I'd meet them there the next day type of thing. So I was really I was really putting myself on tour. I wasn't getting paid yeah. for it. I wasn't. They weren't, like, compensating me for flight or for the gear. Anything. No, they gave me a little money up front for the clothes. But otherwise, it was all me. So, um... After that tour is one when I was like, well, this is a great opportunity. But then I was like, well, I can't just be doing this forever. I have to find a way to make it make sense. So make, you know, getting, even if it's not enough money to like make back end, something to at least break even. Yeah. You know what I mean, so like I can keep doing this. Right. So that was the biggest takeaway from that tour is this is really cool and it's a good opportunity, but I want to make sure this is a, it's a business first. I have to make sure I can live and be sustainable off this. It's not about just looking cool and saying, oh, I went on tour and showing your friends some pictures of the stage. Yeah. It's about actually being sustainable to where you can say, oh, I'm going on tour and I know that. I can take a month or two months off of work and I'm going to come back paid like I was at work type yeah. of thing, you know. So uh, that's kind of been what I've been on. I was blessed enough to get off my second tour uh, end of May with a swoosh guy. He's one of uh, Playboy Cardi's uh, smaller artists. Um, but uh, yeah, that was great. I got paid for that tour. Uh, I was able to enjoy myself out there. I was able to actually travel with them, stay with them. So it wasn't a lot of me doing my own thing. I was invited on that tour. Mm-hmm. So kind of the I know the initial question was, what was that spark that like this is what I need to be doing? Once I look back at 2017 and see how how hard I worked to get on that tour, and I look at 2019 and see how now I'm being asked to come on tour, yeah. it's a big like, okay, yeah, what I'm what I'm doing, something in here is going right. Got over the hump there, yeah, exactly. So. Dude, that's so awesome because that's that's hustling. Yeah. yeah, like putting yourself in that position, yeah. like recognizing, like they don't know me unless I show yeah. them. Exactly. And, exactly, and so they have no idea. Uh, and for you to see, like, I need to put myself there, like. Mm-hmm. I'll make the ask first, exactly, and exactly. then you front the money. You know, you do your own thing. You kind of like just working it, mm-hmm. and, and now you probably have so many good connections with it. Yeah, that's fuck, dude. That's a hustle. Yeah, surrounding surrounding yourself with success. Got to like, you put your putting yourself in that environment, and like, and it all started from that one Instagram DM of of Twenty One Savages, cousin. Who, 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 his cousin. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, before that, you were just DMing anybody and everybody, or was it all, did you have, like, a plan with that, or? I don't even think I was, I was doing that. I remember it was one day prior to, like, uh, April 21st that I was like, all right, I'm not going to get anywhere if I don't reach out if people don't see my stuff. And I remember I was, I was sitting in my car, I don't remember what parking lot it was, but I was sitting in my car by myself, and I DMed. You name it, Travis Scott, Drake, ASAP Rocky, like all the like stars. Hey, you got to shoot, shoot, Drake. Soldier Boy was Drake. Maybe like twelve to fifteen. Like I'm talking top tier, like A list people. I DM the same copy and paste. Like yo, I started this line, probably like a paragraph and like four to five pictures of my stuff. And I just go back like, every day to see if they, at least they read it and been seen. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's reading it or nothing. Mm-hmm. But that was the the first time that I like reached out to people like that. But um, after that, it was really just that one guy because I had seen that that Twenty One Savage. I really wanted to work with Twenty One Savage. Um, his official photographer is actually from Indy. He went to Warren Central High School. John Cannon. 
Um, I don't I don't really know him like that, but I knew that like they're at some indie tie, so sure. there's something they kind of use as leverage. But um, yeah, so when they came here, I was like, yo, I'll pull up on you, bring gear and all that. And that was the first time he was like, all right, cool, I like your designs, make some customs, like Slaughter Gang, 21 Savage stuff. And they were liking it. So ever since then, we were kind of locked in. So yeah. That's cool. And so now do you have more uh, like general population stuff that you, you sell and things? Yeah. Like you said you didn't at first. Mm-hmm. Are you kind of yeah, doing that too? Yeah, I've always had kind of like a line of like pieces that I could be on my website. Mm-hmm. But it's like as far as how I promote my company, it's more on the exclusivity route. Gotcha. So I really promote the one-on-ones I do, the custom exclusive pieces I do for people. Um, more than just the general shirts and stuff on my website because I know that's going to bring more the wow factor as he spoke of the more oh like that like that that shirt's tight like where do I get that and that's one on one it's the only one so now they're like oh let me look more into this brand or what else do you guys have or can I get something similar to this and, gotcha. and the conversation kind of starts so like that no you can't have this now exactly. it's gone. So when people, know, when, when people yeah. know they can't have it they want it even more yeah. they want it even more when they know it's one on one they see it and they're like oh that's cool it's decent, but then it's like, yeah, it's a size medium. It's like, oh, like, you don't, I can't get no more. Like, nah, it's like, oh. You know what I mean? Now yeah, it's just yeah, head yeah. like, oh, well, I didn't even really want it, but I can't have it. Yeah. Why can't I have it? You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It turns into one of those things. Yeah, so, and, and I feel like that would help you kind of test different designs mm-hmm. and ideas does, because does. then it's like, okay, I don't know how this one's going to play, but it's still something that they know the next round of something that no one else can have but them is coming. Exactly. I can test a few different designs. Exactly. So, Exactly. That's cool. You create yeah, that desire. Yeah, even some of my friends, like some of the one ones I make, might not be exactly what I wanted to be, and I might have messed up on a little bit, or have a little zipper not connect all the way type of thing. But like my friends know I do one on ones. So they're like, nah, let me get that. Like, yeah. let me get that. Like, that's tight. That colorway is cool. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm probably not even gonna try this material again because it didn't work like I wanted it to. Let me get that. Let me hold on to that because it's the only one. So I was about to say like the vintage, exactly. mm-hmm. like the the original art. Like, oh hey, this is a design like he didn't like, but this is an OG design. Exactly. That's exactly. cool. I like yeah. doing that. He like even that. like gives me like these plain T-shirts with like a his logo, Fortune Lifestyle, but it has like say all of these will be different colors on each one. Mm-hmm. Like each one, each individual T-shirt is a one on one. Yeah, but I got yeah. multiple of the same T-shirt with the same design. Yeah, okay. It's just like one a all black. One to be like rainbows. One to be like half and half. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? No, I'm cool. giving out like fifty or sixty of those yeah. same shirts, but like before I make the design, I make sure that every colorway is different. So it's yeah. like there's it's like a thunderbolt mm-hmm. and like a like two shapes behind it, and then it says Fortunate Lifestyle on top. It's just like one one like that size design. But like fortunate will be black on one shirt and then red on another and then yellow bold. But every single shirt that I make that's this exact same design is different. Okay. Here, no, no, here two, one right here. no two colorways the same. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So like that yellow might be red, yeah. that black might be orange. Okay. That, yeah. So it just yeah. changes up. But yeah. Like I said, I, the biggest thing I pride myself on since I can do this myself is just the exclusivity and the custom customization of it. Because the the motto, if I have to say, of my brand is being an individual rather than a multiple. So making everyone feel like they can be themselves in a world of everyone that's also being themselves. You don't need to be somebody else. Like you can be yourself. So that's why I kind of try and make everything the colorway, just that one colorway. Because even if the shirt isn't the coolest shirt in the world, like these are just simple shirts I give out to like just friends, family, supporters. They all know that it's one on one. They all know this is the only colorway of this mm-hmm. one. So it just makes it that much it makes more. Makes you feel yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. I feel special when I rock his clothing. Okay. Yeah. So how often do you have a new design come out? Um. Really, this past Saturday, I dropped my summer 2019 line. That was really, I was just thinking about it, bro. That's only my third drop. 
That's only my third drop. I dropped in 2016. I did fall 2016. 2017, I was on tour, so I didn't drop that year. Last year, I did summer line for the pop up, and it's my third drop. So it's only been three drops. Exclusivity, so. gotta keep on the P. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So like I'm, like I said, I don't really look at things. I do quality versus quantity. Yeah. So I never feel like I need to drop four drops a year. So I never feel like I need to do a winter 19 or a spring 19, a summer 19, a fall 19, a winter 19. Like other brands do, they have the four, the seasonals every year. Yeah. I feel like that's when the designs start to get kind of not childish, but kind of kind of tired and worn it's like i'll come up with a new drop or a new design when it organically comes to me or when i'm just like doing some stuff and i'm like oh that's a cool start can i do a collection off of this or can i just do it like that instead of being like oh well it's october time to get some fall stuff started and then start like just working on fall let's get some vests and puffy yeah. coats yeah exactly and you yeah. start let me get some long sleeves and, me, and yeah. then just become fortunate and then two three years into it you start looking at your fall 19 your fall 18 your fall 17 and stuff starting to look the same and it's mm -hmm. not branching out I try to make sure that every release I do, every piece is harder than the last release's piece. Not just a couple, not just one, but just take my time. There's no one down my back like, hey, Carl, you need to drop Winter 19. Like, mm -hmm. where's your winter stuff? Like, mm -hmm. no. The way I look at it, I want my my fall 2016 stuff to still be hot, still be relevant in fall 2019. Like, yeah. that's how exclusive and how how organic I want my designs to be. That's not based off something that was hot this year or based off of a fad that people are going off, like the fanny packs or anything. I want it to be something that's organic enough that it's cool just because it's cool. So like yeah. it can it can have that longevity. Mm -hmm. ah, that's originality. Good way of looking at it. Originality. I like exactly. that. That's a good way of looking at it. Just yeah. being authentic with it. Authentic, mm -hmm. yeah. Like um, so I'm curious, where did the name come from, Fortunate Lifestyle? Um, I actually started the company back in high school with two friends, Ashley and Tyler, and uh, we all had different classes, but we had the same lunch, so we would all like write on like a post-it note or like a piece of paper. You know how people pass notes? Mm -hmm. We would write like just name drafts that we all had, and some were like, um, mm, like flight school, just different things, using high school, just thinking just like clouds, different just airy, cool vibe type of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but then one day I I think I had fortunate something and my friend had something the lifestyle and we just mixed them we got fortunate lifestyle it really yeah. all happened just two words we just put together wait so originally it was you and your friends it was, it was me and two others yeah we I start I, I initially had the idea and they were two like one the female was very swaggy like she knew how to dress and mm -hmm. one of the best in the school and the other kid was just a friend I had in my speech class and he was very business oriented mm -hmm. so I was like yo like I want to do this fashion thing would y'all be down there so it's kind of cool. Well, they're gonna try to come back and get nah, that, 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 <laughs> listen, listen, that's the thing. Any interview, any anything I've ever done when anyone's ever asked when it started or anything, I always premise high school, 2011, uh, HSC, sophomore year, and I usually mention Ashley because she was sitting next to me in this very class in Tyler. Like they mm -hmm. always will come up. Ten mm -hmm. years from now, they'll always come up. Mm -hmm. Like you know what I mean? They fell off. They're not. Uh, they're not involved in the company or anything anymore. But it was never bad blood. Yeah. Like the year after we came up with the clothing line, Tyler's family moved to Pittsburgh, so oh. he was out of here. So you know yeah. we were still trying to do phone calls, but that eventually fell yeah. off. Yeah. Um, then college came. Ashley didn't go to. Uh, Ashley didn't go to college. I went to IUPUI, so our communication was kind of off. We tried to link up and do photo shoots. So it was never bad blood or anything, but it, they definitely fell off. But yeah. those will always be the original homies. They'll always change and rearrange. Yeah, they'll always get the name drop. Shout out Tyler Harris. Shout out Ashley and Goki. Credit where credit is due. Right? Mm -hmm. It's always yeah. day ones. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> always. So, uh, so you, you said you went to IUPUI? Yes, sir. Okay. And so what was it like going to classes and, and going to school while balancing what you were doing with this? Um, How did you kind of manage the two? Um, it's really cool because like I said, I've had this since 2011. That's when I had Fortunate Lifestyle. 
I couldn't, didn't have the funds or the means to actually make clothes until 2013. So when okay. I graduated high school, so freshman year of college, and I didn't really start going hard with the clothes until like, like I said, my first drop was fall 2016. I graduated from undergrad in 2017. Okay. So really, I wasn't doing anything too crazy during school. School really was the primary. Yeah. But uh, like I said, 2017 is my first tour. That's I graduated in 2017, so I was I took a year off. I'm back in school now. Okay. But, so that year off is when I did my first tour. So it didn't. I, I really haven't had any school in that conflict. Really. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And I was going to ask, like, I know you said when you think of a new design, it kind of just comes to you and you just kind of dive into it. Once you get those wheels turning, like, what does the process look like of designing it to, like, getting it on the sh- shirt to, like, distributing it? Mm-hmm. Like, what's that look like, the whole process? Um, Usually the design doesn't just pop in my head. I'll usually be just on my computer and, like, I'll be in an inspirational mode. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me design some stuff and see what this looks like on paper and I'll design it and if I like it I'll usually build off it make like five to eight different of the same design just change the colorway up make something a little bolder change this up just so I can the next day look at it again and be like all right no 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 I always give it some time and then when I find that one design I want I usually just make a sample I have a he's he's, he's seen my visual space in my house I have kind of just canvases up of work I've done nice one clothing rack just, just has unreleased or things I'm working on clothes I'll just make one sample, put it on that rack, leave it in the middle of my house, and then just, as I'm just walking between my room, the kitchen, the living room, the bathroom, I walk past this rack maybe 20, 50 times a day, and I'll just see it. And I'll just, I won't, I won't stand there and stare at it, but I'll just walk past it and see it. Yeah. Maybe later on I'll go, I'll just look at it, put hands on it again, look at it, and I'll just let it grow on me. And if I've seen it and I'm like, yeah, this is the one I want to do, then I'll, I'll hit him, give him the first piece so he can wear it, promote it a little bit, and then we'll go from there. Nice. That's cool. So, Carl, you kind of touched on how you've kind of evolved how you do your business and promotions and marketing and how you get on tours and things. Uh, so, Spruve, I'm interested in how your music's kind of evolved and adapted from when you started uh, to now, uh, whether it's to your environment, uh, the way you write, or, or what you talk and, and rap about. Like, how has that kind of evolved and adapted to things? Oh, man, that is huge. I mean, uh, like I said, in college, I was a big player and... <laughs> Lots and lots of women. I have a song quoted, uh, man, I got a hundred bitches. I'm going to put them all together, and I think I might go swimming. So that was kind of the vibe. That was kind of the vibe then. Like, now I've been, I like, I'm currently, like, in a, in a pretty deep relationship, and I'm more, like, lovey-dovey R&Bs type because my, um, okay, so forgive me for this, but R. Kelly was my first ever, like, favorite, favorite artist of all time. Um, my first person that I ever got exposed to as far as, far as rap-wise was 3-6 Mafia. Okay. So if you listen to my music, you can kind of get a, a, a you kind of can hear both of those sounds because I kind of got like a trappy sound and I have an R&B sound of which Pacific is the more 3-6 Mafia trappy, just gritty sound. That's where I got that quote from, Pacific. Um, and then I have a song called Nouveau, of which is like a love song. It was. I've heard that one. Yeah, we talked about that on the yeah, phone. Yeah, so that is the one. Um, basically, I was moving on, and that was like the relationship sprue. I was moving from one relationship to the next, and I was just talking about it. So it's all real life stuff. So anything that you hear in my music is all real life. It's probably relationship based, money based, um, clothing based, um, just anything I got going on. Uh, just depression, real life stuff, politics, whatever. It just depends on how I'm feeling because it's just off the top of whatever I feel. Um, but uh, when I had graduated college, 
I went on a mini tour. It was a promo tour in London. So I was in London for like three and a half weeks. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went there, uh, did a lot of interviews with different radio stations. I had performances in different clubs. It was a great experience. Um, I actually did link up with a guy out there who um, used to be linked up with Michael Jackson back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a lot of tips, pointers. But I just haven't had the, uh, the ability to go back, of which that is what I'm planning for 2020. I'm trying to, as much as I'm traveling here like three times to New York, that's what I need to be doing for London because it's a very, very um, open, um, it's very, very open, just period. Like they're, they're an emerging music base and music industry, like they're not on top. So it's easy for me to go over there and take over. Like what I did there in three and a half weeks is probably the um, entire um, amount of promotion that I did my, probably... I would say probably about the entire time in college. I feel like I got the same amount of like notoriety and like people mm-hmm. like eyes on me. So um, that was that was a great experience. Um, and from then on, I came back to Indy. I had a manager. I had people just eyes on me. I had a manager. Um, he owned a club, so anytime he, he would have people like Young. I remember Young Thug came and performed. Um, I had. Who else? Who else? What I, I opened up for Lil Uzi, Young Dolph, Young Thug, um, oh, Jacquees, Wale. The list goes on. I've opened up. If you think about any Twenty One Savage, if you think about any artist, I probably have opened up for him. Um, and I just feel like all of those opportunities were coming to me, and it was just like I was not self sufficient. So I got to the point where my uh, my manager actually lost the club and stuff like that, and I was kind of like in a, in a sense like, dang, what do I do now? Like I always had a manager, and it was just like I don't know what to do. So I, that's how I started doing my own events. Because uh, after that, I was still getting booked. Um, I still been getting booked for like little small stuff in the club and stuff like that. But it never was to the extent of what I was doing when I had a manager. So it was kind of like, all right, now I'm about to do my own thing. So that's when uh, it came about the Naptown Revival, and um, that's the event that I do. I give away five hundred dollars first prize, three hundred dollars second prize, one fifty uh, third prize, two hours free studio time. So I develop relationships with different studios because I was jumping around from studio to studio trying to find my sound. And um, I actually don't think I found my sound until this year. This year is the first year that I feel like I've actually found who I am as an artist and the path that I want to go. Um, so. Um, it, yes, it's just like crazy to think about these past couple of years. I've just been doing whatever. I feel like I've just been throwing stuff up, not having a strategy. So um, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, now I feel like I, I, I know how to strategize. And that, and that was because I had managers to do it for me. But now it's kind of like people in the music industry want you to be self-sufficient. They want to come to you like, what can I do for you that that you can't do for yourself? And if you can tell them, I don't need you for anything, but I would like for you to do this, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you kind of put yourself in a better situation to not need anybody. That's why, so, that's why I'm not, I'm sorry yeah, to cut you off, but that's why I think myself, not to speak highly of myself, but I, that's why I think Sprove and myself do so well in our individual lanes without big teams, management, anything like that. Because one of the biggest things, and this is for whatever lane you're in, uh, the more you can do for yourself, the more you can market to yourself, and the less you need outside people, the greater you're going to be. Regardless, you're talking athletics, music, fashion, mm-hmm. whatever. Because the second that I need to say, okay, um, I can do all the designs myself, I can draw this out myself, but I need 
such and such to print the clothes for me. Now I gotta wait on another guy to be free and available. Now I gotta see what his budget is. Now I gotta, if he's having a bad day and he don't feel like answering texts, now I gotta wait till Friday to get my stuff made. You know, now when I can do it myself, now an outside person like a swoosh guy can hit me or a young nudie or someone, hey Carl, we got a show this Saturday and such and such, can you make these many shirts and ship it out to us, you know? If I gotta wait on somebody else to print them for me, it's a, I'll let you know. But me, I know I can go home, get everything done from top to bottom myself and get it done. The same with him. He knows, he just, nap, I mean, I know you just spoke about Naptown Revival. He curated that, promoted that, email marketing, social media, the page, I mean. Everything. Co yeah. Coordinated with all three of the studios for the time. Uh, coordinated with Pattern Magazine for the interview for the winner. Everything he did himself. He didn't need a, a publicist, none of that stuff. So when it comes to the payout at the end with the money, that's all going to him. He doesn't have a team he needs to break that with. Mm -hmm. When it comes to decisions that need to be made, he can be the own, his first, second, and third judge and say, this is what needs to be done. I think this is a good idea. And not have to wait on the team to say, oh, well, let me sleep on this and I'll get back to you Thursday. No, he can make that decision. So the more you can do for yourself, it definitely just it makes the, the potential so much greater. I mm -hmm. think. Well, that's huge because once you know how to do everything yeah. within your business or what you're trying to do, you yeah. also have the most leverage. Exactly. So, so exactly. like no one has something over you and then mm -hmm. you can be pickier exactly. on the people that you do have exactly. do something if you don't like it, then it's like, I don't need you all still fucking this. Exactly. And then I'll get someone else. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I'm at now. I'm like, now I'm ready for my team. I know exactly what needs to be done. And like I was telling you guys earlier, I'm actually having people coming to me and wanting me to curate their career because mm -hmm. they see what I'm doing and they see what I'm able to do. And I'm like, it's going to cost. Like now, it's to the point now, yeah. I need that. I need a nice little fee. It's also want. opportunity cost of your time lost. Exactly. Your money. Exactly. Your my time towards myself. So right. it's kind of like, I need some type of conversation with that, I'm using that, I can put that that money right back into myself. So mm -hmm. um, I'll definitely take that. Um, and um, continue on with what I was saying um, about the Naptown Revival, that's cool. Um, and I've, okay, so now I have an album, my first album. So I've, I've had different projects, EPs, singles, that's all I've been doing my entire career, sure. just dropping EPs. So this is gonna be my actual first album project um, that I'm cur uh, curating, it's called Sweet. So, <laughs> so um, really, I've been just planting the seed in everyone's mind, like on my Instagram story. I have like, when I was in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru like a couple of uh, days ago, and the guy that was standing there, I was like, can you do something for me? I'm like, um, I just told him like, hey, yes, uh, shout out to my boy Sproove, life is too damn sweet, and he did it for me. So that's <laughs> no, like, that's cool. just implanting that in people's minds wow, on my story. Like so now when people see me, or sometimes people just post post stuff up, like I can't wait till Sproove drops this, that, and the third, yeah. and they even say it for me. So people already are uh, um, accustomed to that before it even drops. So when it drops, it's gonna go crazy. Um, but what my motto is, is uh, in the name of Sproove, we making moves, life is too damn good, life is too damn sweet. Um, it's, it's just all about positivity, just bringing positivity into the light and uh, in light, the light of things because there's been a lot of negativity that happens, that's been happening. We had a friend recently that we went to LA with, he was shot and killed um, in April. Um, so this was an idea that I came, with, I came up with beforehand, like before that even happened. In, I came up with this idea in January and um, it brought a whole new meaning to it because it's like just making anything negative into a positive and it's kind of like I don't know the reasoning behind most of the stuff that happens in life but you got to make it positive and you got to keep going and you got to understand that life is short and you have to cherish it it's life is too damn good life is too damn sweet so I like that's that. kind of I love that that's I like that a lot yeah that's kind of the whole thing behind it and it, it it's working it's gonna it's gonna yeah. blow I, I know it's gonna blow yeah so where, where did Sproove come from Oh, Sproove came from, okay, so 
a long time ago. We're going to run all the way back. Hey, fifth grade. Let's, let's run it back to fifth to grade. To fifth grade. Man. Fifth grade is proof. So, um, you guys remember MySpace? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, MySpace, you know that cool parentheses and middle name that you came up with or whatever? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I was in Google Translator. My real name is Aaron. So, I put Aaron is flyer than everyone else. Uh, Google Translator translated to Albanian because that was the first, uh, that was the first language. And it said, da-da-da-da, Spruve means flyer then. I'm like, look at I looked at my clothes. I'm like, I'm flyer than everybody else. I'm the flyest motherfucker. And I'm like, I like that Spruve. It just yeah. rolled off the tongue. It's nice. And I put it in my parentheses in, on MySpace. And then when I got to high school, I had a very, very loud friend. And he just, and, he, and I ran track and stuff. So I had a little popularity in high school from that, sure. from doing sports and stuff. And he just used to call me that, so everybody knew me as that, and that's what everybody started calling me. And then when I got to college, it was just a continuation type of thing, and it just be yeah. actually people started calling me Aaron again in college. But when the rap thing started coming about, that's when I'm back to Spruve. Yeah, back to Spruve. It kind of like rolled back over, and now and then everybody started calling me Spruve, and then my mom started calling me Spruve. I'm like, dang, everybody calling me Spruve. <laughs> I feel like Spruve is one of those names, like if you're a like, professional athlete too, you get on the court, like Spruve. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so that was, it's a dope uh, dope story behind my name. That's I actually cool. love my story behind my name. I always like hearing stories on nicknames. Like you never know like how someone yeah. got theirs. Yeah. I mean, if it stuck, it had to be yeah. something memorable. Right, right. That's cool, man. But yeah, I can't wait till the album drops. Album should be dropping. I'm thinking it ended September, but I just gotta make sure everything is right. Like it's right around the corner. I'm, yeah, I'm listening to all the songs every day, just making sure that it's it's appealing to the ear and just making sure that it's what I want yeah. people to know me by. Like I said, I want that three six mafia R. Kelly vibe. Like yeah. that's what you're gonna get from it. That's why I'm finding out my sound and I know that's what I that's what I'm coming with. Okay. That's cool. Where you finally we- feel it, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Where uh where are all your platforms at? Like, where will the album be? Everywhere, pretty much everywhere. Yeah, yeah. mainly I got a bunch of um, got a bunch of videos on YouTube. I okay, like eight or nine videos, and you can date back all the way to. Uh, I actually shot a video inside one of my during one of my parties. Oh. So the song Pacific. If you go look at that, you'll see like how I started off and. We're gonna we have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. we were sure. like out on the lawn on top of a car, all my friends like and we was dancing all together and stuff like that. It was, it was <laughs> That's a good cool. time. Uh, so I'm curious one thing I like to know is uh, so two very entrepreneurial guys um, what is, is there something specific that sticks out to where you know people say oh they got lucky or man success happened overnight or they don't see the behind the scenes so I guess my question is is there something that sticks out that happened where it's like man no one knows that I had to deal with this bullshit mm. but like this is part of being your own business but yeah. no one sees this part about it. I know for a fact crypto fucked my life. When I, I got into like cryptocurrency and stuff. Did you guys ever get into that? Like Bitcoin and stuff? Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I had a lot, made a lot of money very fast off of that and lost it all. Oh, and that kind of ruined my money. Okay. And it slowed everything down, caused another like, damn, what do I do now type of, type of situation. But I bounced back. That was back in like 2017-ish. Yeah. So I, I bounced back from that. That was nothing, but that was probably the only thing that I would say. Like, damn, that yeah. took me all the way back. Yeah, Carl, how about you? you? Got anything that like throughout your business venture, where it's like, man, people don't understand. Like this shit goes down. I want you to think of a better answer because I don't think you answered the actual question. I think you could you could think of a better answer. Oh, I know you have something. 
basically criticism, shit like that. Niggas, people trying to hold you back, and people things that people don't understand. You don't think so? I don't think I got too much of that. You don't think it's nothing that people take for granted that you do that you that, that people don't actually see? I think because you do a lot, so I feel like there might be something that people think, oh, this is easier. Oh, Aaron just be doing this or whatever, but really you be like your plays, your videos, your visuals. Like yeah, I've been getting a lot of plays, but it's because people know how hard I be working. I feel like people understand how hard I work and see what all I be doing, so they like, oh, it's, so you think you get the, the credit you deserve? Then you don't think people. I, I feel like I need more to okay. be honest. I feel like it's not where it needs to be. Okay, so people underappreciate everything you should do. That yeah, facts. Okay, yeah. Um, for me, uh, I don't know. A lot of people think I just make shirts. Like it's just because it just sounds like something easy, like running laps, doing push-ups. Like it just sounds easy. <laughs> so people just think it's just a, an easy thing, but it's a whole craft. Like I personally have a huge appreciation for what Carl does. I see everything he does. He even helps me out. Anytime we go out of town, he has shit lined up for me. Like he's my manager, so I can appreciate that. He's even like he's like dipping into my world, and I appreciate that. So. Nah, for sure. Because like um, with Spruva and I, we both help each other out, and and because of our lanes, we can provide for each other without stepping on each other's toes. Mm-hmm. So like in That's LA, right in LA, for instance, um, I think we had set up a podcast similar to this in, in LA. We were just able to talk about kind of his upcoming albums, and then I was able to talk about my upcoming photo shoot or upcoming uh, line, and then I'm able to kind of um, link him with certain artists that I may talk to or may merchandise for. Mm-hmm. He's able to meet people and be like, "Hey, this is my boy Carly, just clothes," and then plug me with some people he knows and give them some clothes, or it could even be leverage. He might have someone he meets, and he's like, "Yeah, that's what I do." Uh, you ever need any gear or anything like that? You need some custom stuff? My boy does custom yeah. gear. We can get you together. And at mm-hmm. that point, it's just, you know, him helping me, me helping him, and us, our connection's really growing. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nice that it, it works so well together. Yeah, and so does, it makes it so much it easier. block up the cog. That I can help him and he can help me. It makes the friendship so much easier. Yeah, it just flows. Yeah. Uh, so, Carl, I want to go back to how did you kind of get over the hump of where people, all they think is that you just make shirts? Cause like you obviously do a lot more than that. Like you on tour with people. Yeah, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I focus on the exclusivity so much and the one on ones. I should say rather. Um, and I think it was probably beginning of this year when I really was like, all right, I want to start on cutting. So I want to start on jeans. And like ever since I started, everyone was like, oh, you should do hoodies or you should do pants. But you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Someone has a clothing line, then we do everything: sweatpants, we want you to do tank tops, we yeah, do jerseys, yeah, everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never been one of those people that just wanted to jump into everything. I wanted to perfect certain pieces and then take it like that. Um, I only last year did my first like track sweatpants type of joggers mm-hmm. type of things and it was nice like the yellow ones Kill Bill he has them um, then this year I really started doing denim I really started getting my hands dirty okay. with denim cutting bleaching uh, distressing really mastering that so that's with my first with this drop on Saturday I released my first like fortunate denim is what I called it okay. so I did that um, I just got an embroidery recently like I said I've been taking like steps like it's been really like the screen printing and just the heat pressing designs on shirts is like the early part which people just like oh you're just making shirts but then even more than that it's not just like there's a whole thing that goes into it with like quality comes with fabrics when you are doing screen or heat heat press printing you need to know kind of what the durability one is for that what the design is and then what is the right fabric for that would this be better on a poly blend would this be better on a 50 50 or 100 percent cotton it kind of just depends what's the usage if i'm making a one-on-one for something someone's going to play basketball in if that's so then i don't need to heat press because then they're going to be sweating it they're going to wash it a lot and it's going to corrode me gotcha. mm-hmm. i need to do something that's going to be a little more durable for them 
or it's just gonna be something you're gonna perform in. It needs to be a little thicker so you can feel that, you know what I mean? So if you do start sweating, it's not something thin, it shows a sweat mark. So it's a lot of things that actually goes into it, especially with the one-on-ones, because I need to make sure it's your size, it's gonna be your style, your fit, um, what you prefer. So it's a lot, like I said, when you're just doing shirts, you're just releasing these three di different designs and small through 2X, you're just gonna throw them on the site. It's not that much that goes into it. Yeah. But when you're thinking more longevity behind your designs and you're thinking more uh, innovation when it comes to certain things, it kind of, it's a longer process. So yeah. That's some serious thought. Mm -hmm. uh, functionality too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can tell by the way you talk about that, you have learned a lot over, mm -hmm. over the time you've done your research. You've, Trial and error. Things. I was going to say, yeah. trial and error yeah. is the yeah. biggest thing. Yeah. That's why I like doing it myself. The amount of shirts I burned, messed up, presses I ran through, stepped on, broke, got mad at. You, know, <laughs> you messed up a lot of my stuff. Oh, a lot of stuff, yeah. but I mean. Remember when the, I was making them shirts for diamond and stuff? You messed up yeah, a lot of Yeah, <laughs> that was early. Like, even even certain things, like, if you were to ask everybody, 100% of people that have bought stuff from me or I've given shirts to, uh, I know 100% of them are going to be like, yeah, it was perfect. Everything came out like it was supposed to be. But, like, that, like that's love. I, and that's why I don't. That's why the way I promote my stuff is very humble. I'm not really, I don't post and boast about it because I want the people who mess with me to be organic or genuinely like what they see and not be always oh, posting this all the time. Let me buy something from them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I even appreciate those people who have shopped with me, who have worked with me in the past and maybe it didn't work out as, as they wanted it to, but I've progressed. And people that have, have rocked with me and watched with me can definitely see I've progressed. Oh, really? I see messages every day on Snapchat, Instagram, humble DMs, just like, bro, like, People that didn't even know really watch it from like, yo, bro, you're, you're lying. I really respect what you do. I really respect mm -hmm. how, you, how you promote it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. like, I'm seeing you from here to there. This is really dope. And kids, I didn't even really like me. Like this past week, like, a couple <laughs> kids, two kids that didn't even like me in high school messaged me and said, yo, I need that hoodie. The one, the yellow one that I gave, bro, mm -hmm. I need that hoodie. And that it was, it was a one-on-one. So I was like, yeah, it's a one. I, I can't give you this, but, you know, we can make something similar. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll let you know when mm -hmm. I like that. See? So do you have a little satisfaction when people that didn't like you, like, they oh, couldn't I, have what they want. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. A lot. I like that. <laughs> that. And that's another cool part about the ex exclusivity because I know I, I know I can put my gear on people that that are around certain people and I know certain people that I know are going to see that and be like, fortunate lifestyle. That's Carl's thing. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? And in their yeah, heads. That's they're major. Major. Yeah. Either, and, and most times they're not going to, you know how people are. People are going to say something to me about it, but I know they see it and I know yeah. they, they understand and know what it is because I'll see people in public didn't even know about Fortune Lifestyle. I'm like, car, that, that was dope. That, yeah, I saw you posted it. I don't even mm -hmm. know they were checking for me. Yeah. But they are. So. You be on some major shit, bro. I can't even lie. You be on some major shit. Now those people peeping. Now those people see, uh, they see Carl Swag and then Spoo making moves. So in the name of Spoo, we making moves. Making Make an impact. You motivate a lot of people. Yeah, people hit me up all the time telling me, like, bro, keep making music. Because it was one point in time, like four four months, where I thought I was done making music. And I was like, pretty much the crypto I thought I was done making music when I got mm -hmm. messed up with the crypto shit I'm like mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be able to because music takes a lot of money like I was consistently getting in the studio this that and the third studio time ain't cheap studio time videographers photographers and doing the Naptown Revival helped me uh, be able to orchestrate that very good um, and I've actually like done a lot for the city I'm linking up different studios to where they're working together um, and now it's to the point now I have Big investors are looking to put something up for Naptown Revival, so I'm trying to make it a big thing. I'm trying to make it a uh, put it at the uh, the convention center. I'm trying to have oh, it there. Oh, that's what's up. One of those. That's what's up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I know uh, we got a few more minutes here in this room before we kind of get the boot. Any uh, last words from from Carl and Spruve that you guys want to make sure the listeners get to hear before we jump off here? 
Mm, go peep all of my stuff on Instagram <laughs> at Sprove, S-P-R-O-V-E. Um, also, uh, subscribe on my YouTube. Life is Sweet video is dropping soon. So, I'm going to drop a single before I drop the album. I'm going to drop okay. a single called Life is Sweet. Uh, the video is already pretty much done. Um, and shit, you know, in the name of Sprove, we making moves. Just catch me <laughs> on the fly, man. You're going to see me moving around. I'll oh, probably be with K-Swag and you know. I love it. You know that, you know that. Um, <laughs> if I had to say anything, uh, social media is an additive. Do not you do not look at social media as real life. Social media should be an addition to any and everything you do. It should be a platform to post, promote, have people view and see what you're doing, but it should never be something that you look to as... It's a facade, it really is. It's not <laughs> something you should look to and, and take too seriously or... or for your own personal Instagram or social media think that you need to force what you post on there so people think that you are doing a certain thing or to make yourself look a certain way because at the end of the day, I mean, it sucks to say, but no one cares. So at the end of the day, when you do all that to make yourself look a certain way, you're really just looking goofy at the end of the day. You're really just trying too hard for something that isn't that. When you could really just put all that energy you're putting into looking like you're doing something and to actually doing something. And then you can actually feel good about what you post and know that that's what it is because mm-hmm. I, I really I don't get caught too much up into Instagram and stuff because I'm actually doing a lot of these things I'm mm-hmm. actually meeting these artists I'm actually traveling and mm-hmm. we're actually doing these these pop-up shops and traveling and meeting these people so there's no need to actually post and force to make it look like we are and every 10 seconds be hey we're doing this and that like mm-hmm. like we're actually doing it so we're, we're living and relishing in that and then we'll post something obviously when yeah. it's done but we don't Look to social media like that is the forefront of everything we yeah. do. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. That's a good thing to end on. I appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of people could use that. Yeah, that Carl, device. where can uh, people find you in Fortunate Lifestyle? At? Uh, fortunate, uh, the Fortunate Lifestyle dot com website and uh, my Instagram is just K Swagging K S W A G G I N. Right on. Great. All right, guys, really appreciate you and your time, yeah. and this was awesome. Thank you guys. Sweet. Definitely. Thanks, guys. <laughs>